Hey, this is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church in South Florida. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for connecting with us, and we hope this message encourages you and connects you vertically to God. Enjoy the message. I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to ask them a serious question. Ask them, are you a model? Ask them. Come on, ask them. Now just answer and say, yes, I am. Just... Now look at the next person, the other person you didn't talk to the first time. Look at them and say, is the pastor a model? Ask him. Ask him. <laughs> now say, yes, he is. Thank you. It's good to be in church, everybody. We are continuing with our By Popular Demand series, which uh, Carlos Villanueva so awesomely kicked off last week. Good word. Good word on... <clears throat> on handling stress. Um, so, so if you're new here, why this by popular demand? Well, you just saw the video. The truth is when you study the Gospels and you study Jesus' life, uh, most of the times whenever Jesus was teaching, preaching, or speaking, a lot of times it was in response to a question. Remember when somebody asked, how many times do we got to forgive somebody, right? And Jesus preached a message and we now learn the 70 times 7 rule, right? Or, or you know, who, who, how does someone get into the kingdom of heaven and Jesus went. So, so often as we read in the Gospels about the life of Jesus, we see that he was answering questions. Another reason why Jesus was relevant, because he was answering the questions that people were asking. Uh, sometimes churches and Christians can become irre- irrelevant when they're not answering the questions that people are asking. Uh, and so we're not about religion here. We're about relationship with Jesus. And we're about helping people take steps that mean something in their walk with God and for the best in their life. Can I get an amen? Uh, so today we're going to talk about a message entitled <clears throat> Discovering God's Will. <clears throat> Discovering God's Will. Which, by the way, the question there is, what is God's will? <laughs> How do I figure it out? And, uh, and let me just say as a pastor that I think that's a really good question to ask. Um, and I'm proud of you, church, for bringing that up in this By Popular Demand series. Um, I think it's a good question to ask because I think a lot of people don't care. I think a lot of people don't care. People who don't know God, people who don't believe in the Bible, people who are not interested in faith, um, they're not asking that question. <laughs> Their question is, how can I do more of what I want to do? Uh, where a Christian, somebody who's a Christ follower, asks the question, man, how do, I, how do I discover God's will? How do I do what God wants me to do? Um, I, think, I think our natural human tendency is, you know what, I'd rather do it my way and then just ask God to bless it. And I know none of us would raise our hands and say that's how we do it, but a lot of times when we live life kind of our own way, that's what we're doing. We make our own decisions without prayer, without seeking counsel, without seeing what God's word says. We'll talk about that a little later in the message. Uh, so we make our own decisions, and then later we're like, oh, God, will you bless me? <laughs> and, and so there's a, tricky, there's a tricky thing there. There's a tricky thing. It's, it's kind of like a son or a daughter who's not exactly obedient to his parents and saying, Dad, can you give me more allowance? Mom, can you give me more privileges? And, but you haven't really been obedient or faithful with the ones you have. And so I'd like to to just start off by saying I think there's no better way to live your life than as living your life as someone who is seeking God's will. Um, I think a good place for us to, uh, to begin is by praying. Can we just pray for a moment and ask God to speak to us today? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your, your love for us. Thank you for your goodness that we sang about, your heart. And Lord, we just pray today that the seeds of truth from your word would land in fertile soil in every one of our hearts and minds. We want to hear your word, understand your word, and apply it to our lives and see the fruit that comes from it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to James chapter 4. What's a Bible? Hey, it's this. We had a whole series about it. The series ended, but we still bring in our Bibles. Can I get an amen? If you're new here, uh, we did a whole series on the importance of the Bible, God's word, and we think it's very important to have God's word, to know God's word, to read God's word. And so we've put, a, we've put a bit really strong emphasis on having physical Bibles. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have one, get one. Um, and if you do, use it. We're going to start off in James 4. And, and, and let, me just, let me just say, I think this message is going to be very, very helpful. Very, very helpful. Um, James 4, we're going to start in verses 13 to 15. If you have your highlighter, highlight it in your Bible. If you've got a pen, underline it. James 4, if you're there, say, I'm there. 
James 4 verse 13 says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Pause. Interesting word from James here. And isn't it so like us to, so, to be so ahead so many times and sometimes forget that nobody has promised us tomorrow? Life can truly be a mist. And uh, I, I like what it says at the end. He says, what we, what we should be saying is if it's the Lord will. You ever, have you ever met somebody who always says that? Lord willing. If it's the Lord's will, I'll see you, right? And, and it, might, it might become a cliche saying, but I think it's actually the right thing to say. If it's the Lord's will. Lord willing, we will. I think it's an important concept. James says, what is your life? By the way, the best questions are not the temporal questions. The best questions are the eternal ones. And we want to choose to live lives that will align to God's will. <clears throat> Let me give you, you don't have to look for it. Let me just give you a quick verse in 1 John 2.17. Check it out. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Check it out. The world and its desires, what? They pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, here's the reality. In life, we all find ourselves in decision dilemmas from the time we're kids. I mean, when you're a little kid, the dilemma is, you know, Legos or G.I. Joes, right? You know, the pony or the doll. There's choices. There's options. Most of the time when we're kids, those aren't necessarily life-determining decisions. But as you get older, you know, I remember when I was a kid thinking, all right, baseball or soccer. And it might have been the same for you in different activities, extracurricular activities. And do I do this or do I do that? This friend or that friend? Then eventually you get older. Then it's, do I go to college? <clears throat> do, I, do I study a career? Or do I study a vocation? Do I just start working? You know, these are options, you know. Some decisions and some options in life, and uh, you know, are, are really significant. <clears throat> then you, you get a little bit older, and you might consider, you know, this is a serious relationship. Do, do, we, do, we, do we make this serious <clears throat> or not? <clears throat> do I marry her? Do I not? And if you do take that step, eventually it's, do we have kids? <clears throat> do we live here? Do we, do we go there? How many? Do we buy? Do we rent? Do we invest? Do we not? <laughs> so many decisions and, and, and so, many, so many things. And we go through life. Now, 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 can I just, when we're talking about discovering God's will, it's not this. It's not like, okay, Lord, please tell me, Lord, is it, is it sirloin or shrimp? <laughs> the obvious answer is it's both. It's God's will. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. It's not like, Lord, is it the brown shoes or the black shoes? Just show me. Give me a sign. <clears throat> it's not that. It's more real questions, like the questions that I get as a pastor and that I have with friends and that people come up because they're more kind of determining. Like, like, like pastor, I, I'm, I'm thinking about what to go to school for. Do you have any advice? Or <clears throat> I'm thinking about this track and this track. It's, it's, it's you, know, you know, is it okay? You know, is it okay to drink every once in a while? Is it okay to drink a lot? Is it okay to drink a little? What's God's will? I don't know. Uh, it's thinking about, you know, I know we're not married, but I really love her. Can we have sex? I mean, can, can, I, can I just sleep with her? And she's because we love each other, and right now we love it, and we feel it in the moment. Is that God's will? Hey, we want to just live together for a little season just to see if we're compatible, you know. Is that God's will? I want to get a tattoo. People in church, you know, say no. Other people, like, do what you want, whatever, you know. What if it's a Bible verse? What if I tattoo it on my butt and nobody sees it? All the questions. Marijuana. What about marijuana? Marijuana is natural. Didn't God make everything that's natural? And, you know, God loves plants too, right? <laughs> They're the questions of our society and we laugh, but these are conversations that I have almost weekly and monthly. Not only with young people, but with older people too. Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I sign this? If I sign this, then I can get this out of it. It might not be completely legit or legal, but nobody's going to find out. How do I discover God's will? How do I discover when I'm in or out of bounds? 
I think this is good information to think about because we're going through life. And I don't know about you, but I want to do what God wants me to do. It's interesting because John 10, it talks about the shepherd and the sheep, and it says that his sheep know his voice. And I want to encourage you to draw close to Jesus because the closer you are to Jesus, the more you will know his voice. So uh, I want to encourage you, when it comes to God's will, don't don't try the by chance route. Don't do the like, okay, God, I'm going to, if it's raining, it means yes, and if it's not, it means no. Don't, Don't do that. You know what I mean? Don't be like the guy who was, who was driving around. He's like, Lord, if, if the parking spot right in front of the door of Dunkin' Donuts is open, then it means you want me to go in. And after the fifth time going around the block, it was open. God's will or, or, or his will? Yeah. Broad or narrow? Is God's will broad? Ah, you kind of do anything you want. You got to kind of figure it out and find it. Is it narrow? Ah, if you make one wrong decision, then everything after that's going to be messed up. Is it somewhere in between? Wow, discovering God's will. Is there just one person for me to marry? And then if I marry the wrong person, now am I going to be out of God's will for everything else for the rest of my life? And you know, by God's grace, sometimes even within our mistakes, in His grace and mercy. He allows us to realign and reconnect in the way. But, but may that not be the license for me to do whatever I want and then later say I'll get right with God. C- because, because we can receive grace, but you also have consequences. So, so grace is something that's ever extended from God by, God's, by his grace. But that doesn't mean that we might not have consequences for bad decisions or poor choices. So let's talk about, I want to talk about two parts in this message. I want to talk first about the theology of God's will, kind of a little more theological. And then I want to go into practical, just practical how can I just have some, ask some practical questions to begin to discover God's will? You guys ready? Theology of God's will. Theology of God's will. Let me give a little illustration uh, that might help bring it together. When it comes to the theology of God's will, I don't think it's about, like, I have to hit that one dot right on the head with a hammer, boom. No, I think it's more about a zone. So let me, let me put an illustration up here on the screen. I'm going to use a soccer goal, okay? Kind of look like a goalie. I should put on gloves. Um, l- l- let's use a soccer goal as an illustration. I think when we talk about God's will... More so than just like this little point that I got to hit, it's more of a zone, right? What's the goal in soccer? To score what? Score a goal. That, that's, that's the objective. The objective is score a goal. Put the, put the, put the ball, soccer ball into the net, score a goal. So, so in our perspective today, the, the objective is to discover God's will, to do God's will, to score a goal, okay? So what I want to, here's the, here's the reality if you played soccer. You can't score a goal if you're not on the field. So let's just start there. You can't score a goal from the bench, and you can't score a goal from the, from the stadium. And you can't score a goal if you're not in the stadium, right? So let's just talk about you got to be on the field. So being on the field is you got to know Jesus. you got to know God. you got to get saved. Like, like, like if, you're not, if you're not there, it's very hard to do God's will without knowing God. So, so let's, just put, let's just put step A, begin to know God. Be saved. Receive forgiveness by repentance, by faith and grace. Receive God's salvation. Get on the field. Right? But then we're talking about scoring a goal. It's not, it's more likely to score a goal when you're in the zone. When you're in the, when you're closer, when you're in the zone. Why? Because when you're in the zone, boom, you, you, you have, you, you can clearly see and take a shot. So let's talk about the theology of God's will and what it means to be in the zone, not being offsides, but truly getting that ball where it needs to go, truly living in a way that connects with God's will. So we're going to see it more as a frame. We're going to use the, 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 right po- the left post frame, the right post frame, and then the, the, the transverse uh, uh, upper crossbar, okay? So, so number one, let's talk about the sovereign will of God. Let's just pretend like this left frame is the sovereign will of God. What will of God is it? The sovereign will of God. So the sovereign will of God, it, that has to do with what God is already doing on earth. It's, it's, did you know that God is already doing something? God is moving. God is active. God is not asleep. God is not an old man in a rocking chair in heaven doing nothing. God is at work. And the sovereign will of God has to do with what God is already up to. And, and, and the question is, do I know what God is up to? Am I sensitive? Am I aware? Am I cooperating with God's will right now in this time, in this season where I am? Did you know that God has a will? And Wanting to know God's will for our lives is a good thing as a Christian. God's will for our lives is never out of his sovereign will. What he's doing, they coincide, they connect. 
And some of the best ways to understand his will for my life is to understand his sovereign will, what's happening, what he's doing. You know, Jesus taught us to pray in this way. Because before he said, give us today our daily bread, before he said that, he actually said, thy kingdom come and thy will be what? Be done. Your will be done. What Lord, you do what you want to do first. So I need to know God's sovereign will. So we're framing the theology of God's will. We're framing it God's sovereign will. Let's go to the right, right post here. God's moral will. God's moral will. The moral will of God has to do with what God has already said in his word. So one thing is what God's doing actively right now, and then the moral will of God has to do with what God has already said in his word. Did you know that God is pretty vocal on a lot of things about life? It's all right here. That's why I should have it. That's why I should read it. That's why I should love it. That's why I should treasure it. That's why I should obey it, because in here is his will. His word is his will. His will is in his word. And so the moral will of God is, 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 that, is that other boundary. We're talking about the zone. I want to I score. I want to do his will, but I got to be in the zone of his sovereign will, what he's doing, and his moral will, what he already said in his word. And can I tell you something? There will never be contradiction between his sovereign will and his moral will. What God is doing is always in conjunction and in alignment with what God has said, his moral will, his word. In other words, God will never ask you to do something in what he's doing now that goes against or is out of bounds or is offsides. Offsides. It won't happen because his sovereign will and his moral will are in connection. So we know, for I'm just giving an example, and I'm giving examples that are relevant to today's culture and what we deal with a lot today. In 1 Thessalonians, it talks about it's God's will that you would be holy and keep yourself pure physically, emotionally, and spiritually by abstaining from sexual immorality. Is it okay to talk about that for a second? Yeah. Well, I'm going there anyway. Because it's relevant to today's culture. It's relevant to your life and my life, right? So 1 Thessalonians talks about that we should be holy, we should be pure, and we should abstain from sexual immorality. So what is sexual immorality? According to the moral will of God, it's any sexual relationship outside of the context, the only context of marriage between one man and one woman. Not, not our own definitions. So, so any sexual relationship or interaction or stuff that's outside of the context of marriage would be considered sexual immorality. Therefore, <laughs> offsides, out of bounds, because it's not in alignment with the moral will of God. This is, this is clear. There are some things that are clear. There are some things that are not as clear or implied, but this is something that's very clear in God's word. So anytime I'm out of, I'm out of the zone, I'm offsides. Anytime I'm out of his will, I'm out of the, the, the moral will, I'm out of his word, then I don't even have to ask the question, should I or should it? I already know the answer. But if I don't know this, then I don't know. That's why there's so many Christians making messes because they don't know what it says. That's why it's important to be part of a church that encourages you to read and, and learn the word of God. So I got to get back in the zone. I got to get back in the moral will of God. So there's the sovereign will of God. There's the moral will of God, and then we got the crossbar on the top, which represents the personal will of God, the personal will of God. In other words, what God desires for my life, God has a plan for your life. Did you know that? (laughs) In Psalm 139, it implies that all of the days have been ordained for us, and they're written in God's book. God has a plan for your life. And by the way, what he plans and desires for your life is way better than what you and I plan for our own lives. One of the lies of the enemy from the beginning is that we're not going to want what he wants for us. But the truth is what he wants for us is always going to be better than what we want for ourselves. And so I, I, I put together these three aspects of the theology of God's will into one statement. Here it is, using all three. Here it is. The more... I get to know the sovereign will of God. And the more I align myself with the moral will of God, the better I will discern the personal will of God for my life. 
This is worth repeating. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God, and the more I adjust and align with the moral will of God, the better I will discern the personal will of God for my life. This is, this is a really important lesson for us as Christians and followers of Jesus. So before I go into six questions that are going to help us, I want to just mention two considerations. Everybody say two. Two considerations before even going into the six questions of how to discover God's will or how to determine if it is or it isn't, right? Two considerations. And here's the first one. It's really simple. What am I doing that I should not be doing? Because can I say something? We don't even have to go to the six questions. There are some things that you and I, we know. <laughs> I'm doing this, but I shouldn't be doing it. Can, can I get an amen for that? In other words, in other words we, don't even have, we don't even have to ask any questions. We know. What am I doing that I should not be doing? Which, by the way, also in Psalm 139, that, that prayer, search me, O God. Search me. Show me. By the way, the, the, uh, one of the illustrations is that the Bible is a mirror. It shows me, right? Lord, is there something that you want to adjust? Something that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing, show me. And by the way, when you pray that prayer, he will show you. He will show you. Is there a relationship that needs to be adjusted? That maybe needs to be cut off? Is there a, a, a habit that I need to stop? Is there a place I'm going? Is there music I'm listening to? Is there things that I'm watching? Is there substances I'm consuming? Are there practices that really, really aren't, aren't your will? I got to consider that. It's a consideration. It's a consideration. And by the way, by the way, it's not my job as a pastor to tell anybody to do or what not to do. That's the Holy Spirit. It's my job as a pastor or any Christian leaders to, to remind and to teach God's word and to teach you and everybody to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do? Because I'm not the Holy Spirit and I'm not God and neither is any leader or person in your life. But God will use us. We'll talk about that in a second. So first consideration, what am I doing that I should not be doing? Second consideration is the opposite. What am I not doing that I should be doing? Okay, so we're not even getting into questions about discerning God's will or if it is or if it isn't. We're just saying right off the top, there's some things that I'm doing that I know I shouldn't be doing. And right off the top, there are some things that I'm not doing that I know I should probably be doing that. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Because if there's something that God's doing, God's sovereign will, it would make sense that I want to be part of what he's doing. Uh, and so what am I not doing? Can I just mention this? One of the things um, as a pastor that brings so much fulfillment to me is seeing so many Christians take next steps. And can I just say something? Every single person in this auditorium watching online and myself, we all have next steps. If you're not even a Christian, you're not even a believer, that's a good next step. <laughs> Now, if you are, there's next steps that God has for you. And one of, one of the things that I've seen over the years that really makes a difference in people's lives is when people start serving. It makes the biggest difference. And, and, and we have a big team here. It's called the Impact Team. That's all of our teams. All of our teams is called the Impact Team from the kids, vertical kids ministry, you know, to our parking team outside, to the people who lead life groups throughout the week, uh, to our worship team, production, you know, prayer team, everything that's happening here on Sundays, our ushers, our hospitality, everything that happens between the week, prayer team, you know, events team, uh, you know, ev everything that happens between Sundays, on Sundays, during service, off service, everybody who serves on the Impact Team. Can I just say something? Impact team, you are making a difference in people's lives. You are making a difference in this community. You are making a difference. And the reason we're making a bigger splash is because we're doing it together. Can I, and, and, and with no intention to offend anybody, just speaking a truth, we don't need anybody else because this is an awesome team. But, but the team would be a lot better with you on it. If you're not on it yet, we could use your spiritual giftings, your passions, your ability, your time, your resources. Why? Because God calls us, the church, his body. And the best thing is for a body to be connected, to be united, to be together. And what part of the body are you? And, and how maybe is God calling you in this season? You're not doing it, but maybe it's time to do it. Or you used to, and you haven't been, but maybe now it's time again. Lord, show me. Is there something in my heart? Is it, is it an issue? Is there something you want to deal with? Is there something you want to show me? But, Lord, I want to be an instrument in your hands. I don't want to be sidelined because if you're not on the field, you can't score. Okay? All right, so 
1 John 4, there's a key verse that I want to read together. If you have your Bibles, 1 John, it's towards the back of, it's almost towards the end. 1 John is not to be confused with the Gospel of John. It's actually one of the general letters in the New Testament, towards the end, close to Jude and Revelation. The reason I want to read this verse in 1 John 4, the first verse, is because he gives us a really important key in this whole question of how do I discover and discern the will of God. 1 John 4, verse 1, and it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Okay, pause, pause, pause. What does John say? He says, hey, guys, don't believe every spirit. Another way of saying, hey, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everyone you hear. Don't believe every idea that's out there because they all come from somewhere. So don't believe every spirit, but, but do what? Do what? Test the spirits. In other words, determine or develop a way of figuring it out, of testing it, of discerning it, of discovering it. And so the question, pastor, how do I do that? The Bible is very vocal on this issue. There are filters or tests that we can put in our decision-making process. What school do we send our kids to? Should we move? Should we go? Should we do this? Should I marry her? Is now the time? Do I wait? So let's go through these. Let's go through these. Six questions to discover God's will. Six questions to discover God's will. I will say that it's not like... 100%, like it has to be in this order, but I think this is a good order to ask them in. Number one, number one. By the way, I'm trying to put the cookies on the bottom shelf here. I'm trying to make this super practical. How to, when I got a decision to make, when I have multiple options and, and I'm, and like, Lord, what is it? Again, again, some decisions in life, it's, you know, it's, you know, lucky charms or frosted flakes. Hey, free will, right? You like marshmallows? Go for lucky charms, Right? Some decisions in life, it's more detrimental. Like, it has more of an impact. Some decisions are, you know, like, the, like the, a lot of people come, you know, I get a tattoo and still God still love me and all this. <laughs> That's something you got to, it's not going to tell you, do that, don't do it. You got to determine some free will here, but also determine whose will and, and for what, right? Uh, the same issue with any substances or anything you, or is it natural? All these questions. Number one, am I in a right relationship with God? And obviously, if you're not a Christian, if a person's not a Christian or a believer, they might not care about these questions, but we're making the assumption that you do want to do God's will. Number one, am I in a right relationship with God? Start going to Romans 12, and let, let me talk about this before I read. What's the first question? Am I in a what? Right relationship with God. In other words, am I, am I, am I on the field, or am I out of bounds? Before making a decision, I want to see how am I with God? Especially when you're facing major life decisions. You've got to stop for a moment and consider, where am I with God? Why? Because when we're far from God, it's easy to make decisions that far people from God make. And, and, and the idea, the objective is to score. The objective is I want to do God's will. As a Christian, as a believer, most of us would probably say, I want to do God's will for my life. Romans 12.2, Paul writes a really good piece of advice. He says, do not conform to the pattern of what? Of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way you think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what? What God's will is. And by the way, his will is good, pleasing, and is perfect. So Paul, what Paul's saying is, hey, don't just, because fo- a lot of times we just follow what everybody else did. Well, everybody else did it. Well, I'm going to do it too. Hey, it's the cool thing to do. Boom. It's what's in style. Boom. But that's not always necessarily the right thing. So that's why I got to be, I got to consider how is my relationship with God because the closer I am to God, the more clearly I'll hear his voice. And it's never that God's not talking. It's a lot of times that I'm not listening or that there's too many competing voices or distractions in the way. So how do I turn the volume down to the world and turn the volume up to God's voice? Well, I don't conform to the world, but I allow God to renew my mind. So I live different than the world. By the way, I shouldn't look like the world because I'm different. Okay. Number two, second question. What does the Bible say? There you go again. Here we go again with the Bible. Pastor's obsessed with the Bible. Yeah, it's God's word. It's his breath. 
It is our living bread of life. His word. By the way, which part of God's will am I talking about? His moral will. Yeah. Moral will. His moral will. His moral will is what God already said. Where did he say it? In his word, in the Bible. So the, so, so the first question is, how am I doing with God? The second question is, what does his word say? Because sometimes that's the last question I need to ask. Sometimes I don't need to go to three, four, five, and six because two already tells me. Because a lot of times God's really clear on certain things. Are you, are you guys with me? So this that I'm considering it, considering right now, is it, is it in the field? <laughs> According to God's word, like, is it okay? Is it not? Does God say something about it or not? And is it clear? Because sometimes that's the answer I need. I'm just using, I'm just using real life kind of real life circumstances. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just using real life circumstances. Is that okay if I use real life circumstances? You know, pastor, I really, really love her. I know she's not Christian yet, but I want to marry her, and I know that I'm going to win her for Christ. That's tricky because we respect love, right, but not a Christian yet. That's called missionary dating. We don't recommend missionary dating, Okay. Here's the situation. God's word talks about this clearly, right, in 2 Corinthians, that we should not be unequally yoked. What does that mean? We shouldn't be looking to get into serious life relationships or serious life-connecting relationships with people who are not in the same faith or unbelieving. Why? There's a reason why God puts parameters. It's the same reason that as parents we tell our kids, don't play in the street. You can play right here in the yard. You can shoot your basketball hoop right here in our driveway, but don't go in the street. Why? Is it because we, we want to keep them away from all the fun in the street? No, it's because we know that there's danger in the street, and we want to guard and protect their little hearts and their little bodies. Can I get an amen? And it's not because, oh, they're, they're, they're not going to discover the beautiful fun that there is in the street. No, it's because we want to protect them in this, in this season of life. So, so, so it's not that God doesn't want us to be unequally yoked believers because he doesn't want us to have fun with somebody that we love. It's because he knows, he's given us parameters because he knows us, he knows our hearts, and he wants what's best for us. That doesn't mean that that person may not become a believer in the future, and hey, maybe that will be the right time, but there, will be, there can be, ask someone who's been there, there can be consequences you live with for a long time for a decision you make. And can I say one more thing? By God's grace, sometimes we can make a decision that's out of his will. And by his grace, he, he sometimes works. And in spite of us, a door opens and, and God does something great. Praise God for that. But if we're talking about, I want to make a decision that is God-honoring, that is according to God's will, what does the Bible say? Why is the Bible important? You don't have to look for it. Luke 21, 33, up on the screens. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. People will come and go. Things will come and go. Fads will come and go. Uh, fashions and what's cool and what's not. That, that, all that will come and go. But my word, God says, will never pass away. So, so as a filter for discovering God's will, go to God's word. And don't change God's word and adjust it. Let me read another version because maybe I can find the way out. Don't, don't try to adjust God's word to what you want. Adjust your life to what his word says. Yeah. yeah. Question number three. Is this helpful? Is this helping anybody today? Yeah. All right. Question number three. Third filter here. What would Jesus do? This takes me back to my high school days when I had my bracelet. They're back in style now, I think. Yep. WWJD. It's not a website. <laughs> what would Jesus do? In other words, in other words, think about this. How crazy is this? I got to make this big decision let me pause and think. I have the Gospels that talk all about Jesus' life. There was a spirit inside of Jesus that led him to live his life, how he lived it, which was God-honoring and pleasing to the Father. And guess what? The spirit that lived in Jesus, who was that? What spirit was that? The Holy Spirit. Guess what? He lives in me too. And so I could pause sometimes and just think for a moment and reflect in the personality, the temperament, the decision-making. What le was, was Jesus just a culture follower? Did he just do it? Oh, well, the Samaritans did it. Well, I'm going to do it too. And everybody's doing this, so let's just do that. It makes me feel good. Let me just do that. Or, or was, he a, was he led by principles and by relationship with the Father and by standing out and being different for all the right reasons? 
you can do the same with God. Let's read James 3. Go go to James 3. I'll give you 30 seconds. Get over to James 3. Brother of Jesus is going to give us some good advice. We're talking about some filters, some questions for discovering God's will. Hey, if you are a Christian, you probably have the same question that that many of us have, which is how do I discover God's will? How do I do what he wants? That's what we're talking about. What would Jesus do? And the truth is that Jesus will do things that will always bring the character of God and righteous things. James 3, verse 14, we're going to read verses 14 to 17. Look, look how James puts it. He says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So James is kind of giving us here a little bit of terminology for the things that we want to leave. If what I'm choosing to do is, is connected in any way to bitter envy or to selfish ambition, like it's what I want. It's the flesh. It's, it's me. It's, I got to check myself because, because when I look at Jesus' life, it, it's the wisdom that comes from him is, is pure. It's peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy. There's good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. Man, that, that's, that, that's, I want to live how Jesus lived. I, I want to have that as a filter. Six questions for discovering God's will. Let's go to number four. Number four. Have I sought godly counsel? Have I, have I looked for, have I asked for godly counsel? You can start turning to Proverbs 11 while I talk about this before reading. In other words, when I say have I sought godly counsel is have I found someone in my life or a few people in my life who love God, who, 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 who fear God's word and respect it and obey it and ask them, hey, I'm going through this situation. I have this opportunity. I have a decision to make. I would love to get some input. I would love to hear if you have any godly, wise advice or counsel for me. Can I just say something personally? I want to continue to surround myself with people who can give me godly counsel. Listen, I don't want to surround myself with people who will tell me what I want to hear. Because can I tell you one thing? You can find just about anybody to tell you what you want to hear. In other words, you can find somebody to tell you almost anything you want them to tell you. But they're not the right people. Have I, have I sought out, have I invited into my life people who can bring godly counsel? That's why one of the things that's really important to us here at Vertical Church is our life groups. And you guys will hear us talk about life groups. Hey, get in a life group. Hey, it's the fall life group season. Hey, life group. Life group leaders. Why? It's not because we're in love with life groups. We're in love with people getting into healthy, intentional relationships. And it's crazy to me. It's crazy throughout the years uh, that there are some people who just resist life groups. Tends to be more veteran Christians. (laughs) Tends to be people who have known God for a long time that maybe they just think they don't need it. And uh, and sometimes you kind of get in trouble. So if that's you, I'm here to tell you, get into a life group. Plug into relationships. Not only, not only is it for you, but you will be for them. It's a mutual blessing. It's a mutual blessing. Proverbs eleven fourteen. If you have Proverbs open, if not, it'll be up on the screens. Proverbs eleven fourteen. It says, "For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors." Advisors. Do I have advisors? Another version says, "In the counsel of many." Do I have? the right people, that I could find a good word. Can can I just say something? There are some people who've been farther down the road than you. There are some people who actually might have some wisdom to share with you from their own mistakes. I'd rather learn from the mistakes of others who have gone before me than to have to go through the mistakes myself. Praise God. Let me, I'm going to do a little, I'm going to do a little side note right here. I'm going to do a little side note. Can I do that? As a pastor, sometimes I like to put a little side note. I call this side note, invite versus inform. I'm going to get, on, I'm gonna get on, a, on a pastor soapbox, side note. Invite versus inform. 
And this applies with anybody who's a, maybe a leader in your life um, or a covering in your life. And obviously, I'll speak it as a, as a Christian leader or as a pastor. I have found that many times people aren't coming to me to seek counsel in order for them to make a decision. They're actually coming for approval and affirmation for a decision that they've already made. So in other words, they're not inviting me in to, hey, there's this decision. I've been stuck on this. I've been struggling with this. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Pastor. I'd love to see if you have any. They're not inviting me to, well, hey, let me pray about you. Let me pray for that with you. And, hey, here's some thoughts, and here's a resource that might help you. You're not in, a lot of times a person's not inviting me in. They're just informing me of, Pastor, I was going through all this stuff and went through all this. And, anyways, I made this decision. Just want to let you know. And, and it would be great if you bless me and approve it. <laughs> and so there's a difference between invite versus inform. And, 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 and that's when you know who, as a pastor, that's when you know who sees you as their pastor. Because there are people who attend church but don't see, you, don't see me as their pastor. And there are people who attend church and see me as their pastor. And the same thing with leaders. You have spiritual leaders, team leaders, and life group leaders as well. Um, and one of the beautiful things that I've learned because it's been modeled for me is I have people that I talk with when I need counsel, when there's a big decision to make. And as opposed to informing them of the decision I've already made, hoping that they approve, I like to invite them in to the situation. Like, I'll give you a simple example, and it's not because I know that everybody's not going to be eternally and forever here at Vertical Church, but as a pastor, you come to love people, and sometimes people leave, and they never tell you why. Or, or, or they come, pastor, we've been praying for about a year. I'm like, wow, praying for a year. And uh, we just, it's, it's time God told us that we need to move on to another church. So, hey, first of all, hey, we're okay with that. We understand that. We love you. We wish if there's something we could fix. But it would have been great if a year ago you would have invited us in to say, hey, if, hey this was kind of hard. This decision was made and we weren't in agreement with it. Or this person hurt my feelings. Or you know what? I don't know what it is. The enemy's just kind of messing with my emotions. And I'm having a hard time, Pastor. I don't know if what we should do. Hey, let's pray about that. Thank you for inviting me in. I can speak a little bit to maybe, maybe we can help you fight. Because maybe it's a resolution. Maybe it's an unforgiveness thing. You know, maybe it's a conflict to resolve. Maybe it's a tension. Maybe it's a spiritual attack of the enemy. And the answer is not retreat. The answer is confront. Let's do it. But, but a lot of times we're not being invited into the prayer. We're just being informed of the decision. Well, so, so what can I say? No, don't. No, be like, hey, are you sure? Well, it seems like you've made up your mind. We love you. We bless you, our door's always open, you know? But when I have somebody in my life that I could talk to, that I could say, hey, I'm struggling with this, or here's a decision, I'd love to get some wisdom, or could you just join me in prayer because this is not easy? Man, there's something beautiful and powerful about that. All right, I got off of my side note. I'm getting back on. Question five, question five. And we gotta be careful with this one. Do I sense God's peace? This one's a little tricky. Do I sense God's peace? Did you know that God can speak to you? In fact, in Philippians 4, it talks about we can actually receive this peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace. You know, it, you know those of us who are married, you know, sometimes we have an extra voice in our lives. I'm married. I have found sometimes that we have a big decision to make, and sometimes my wife will be like, I don't feel peace about that. Thank you. How many husbands say thank you, Lord, for my wife, right? I have found that sometimes the biggest indicator of peace in my life is my wife. And vice versa, by the way. Sometimes it's something that we want to do, and maybe she's thinking something, and I say, you know what, I'm not, I don't feel peace about that. And we need to pay attention to that. Sometimes the Lord will bring the peace. Sometimes we need to pray about it. Sometimes we need to seek advice. But, but sensing that peace. By the way, 1 Corinthians 14.33, for God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but a God of peace. Everybody say peace. Now, let me give a little let me give a little caveat here. There is something known as a mistaken peace. So you got to be careful with this. For example, the guy that comes to the office as his pastor, you know, you know, my marriage has been a mess. I'm leaving my wife. I'm leaving my kids. But I just feel so much peace about this other woman. <laughs> Do you see why you laugh? Yeah. But these are the messes that we human beings get ourselves into. And so, and so, and so that's, that's a false peace. 
That's a, I've made a decision and I just want God to bless me. Why? Because God will never bring peace to something that is contradictory to his moral will or to his sovereign will for my personal will. That, now, does that mean life is easy? No. Life is hard. And there's difficult moments. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can get through the hardest moments. I can push through the deepest of pits. I can find hope where there is hopelessness. That's why I need Jesus. Do I sense God's peace? Sometimes when you're not feeling that peace and you're still kind of like, pause, be still, be still. Six questions. You guys look tired. I think we're going to stop it right there. No? You want more? All right, one more. Six, six. Last question, last question. This is a good one. Here it is, here it is. Ultimately, if I haven't figured out by this point, I have to ask myself, is it my will or God's will? (laughs) This thing that I'm considering, this thing that I want to do, Is it, is it my will or is it God's will? You want to grow up in the Lord? You want to mature spiritually? One of the best things you can do is start off every day by saying, Lord, today I am going to surrender to your will. Lord, today I'm going to face obstacles. I'm going to face temptations. I'm going to face opportunities. I'm going to face decisions. But, Lord, my prayer is ah, not what I want. I want what you want, Lord. You know, you know who modeled this good for us? Jesus. Jesus, on the night before the cross, he was in this uh, olive garden. There was no breadsticks or salad. But <laughs> pastor joke. He was in the garden of Gethsemane. It, was a, it, was, it actually was an actual garden of olives. He prayed under such great pressure. I want you to take a look at something. Let's go together to Matthew 26. This is worth highlighting. That's a good joke if you want to impress somebody. Be like, what restaurant did Jesus go to the night before his crucifixion? Matthew 26, verse 39. And it says, going a little farther... Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, if there's another way, Father, please, (laughs) this would be a good time. But but then he immediately kind of realigns and he says, Yet not as I will, but as you will. In other words, not my will, but yours. Your will be done. So here's the interesting thing. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And in this statement where he says, Father, if this cup may be taken from me, if this can pass, he's showing his humanity. But he immediately realigns and he says, no, 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 without hesitation. You know what? Not my will, Father, but your will be done. And we should start every day telling the Lord, Lord, I know there's going to be a lot of things today, but, but I don't want what I want. Your will be done, Lord. I want to hear your voice. I want to submit. I'm willing to surrender. I need you. I want to do your will. You know, I feel a lot of times we're not necessarily seeking or even interested in God's will. We just want to do our own will. And then we want to say, God, will you bless it? Will you bless me? Or or, or we, or we say we want to do his will, but we do it conditionally. God, I want what you want if. <laughs> yeah, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do, but. And so, this is a good question in our Buy Popular Demand series. You can't live this half in, half out Christianity. You can't live, uh, I know all the answers because I grew up in church, but I just, but I want to do my life. I want to live my life my own way. You, You can't do that and score. You can't do that and be within the framework of God's sovereign will, God's moral will, which ultimately helped me to discern his personal will. And so, and so I want to finish with this statement. It's kind of a funny statement, but I think it'll help us finish off right. Here it is. <clears throat> ultimately, this is what I want. I want what I want 
to be what God wants. That's it. Let's sum it up. I want, as a Christian, I want what I want to be what God wants. Let's make it a wrap. I want what I want to be what God wants. Period. Lord, I don't want what I want. I want what I want to be what you want. Living that way would lead me to understand the framework of his will. It would lead me to make the considerations. What am I not doing that I should be doing? What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? And then, once I've aligned that, then ask myself these filter questions to figure out if, what's the real reason I want to do that to my body? What's the real reason I want to consume that? Is it just because it's natural and God made all the natural things? Or What's the real reason I want to sleep with my girlfriend? What's the real reason we want to just live together and feel it out? What's the real reason I want to sign that doc and make some money? What's the real reason? Uh, I, just, you know, I just want to bet. Get a Pastor, I'm going to bet, but, but I'm going to tithe on any winnings. God doesn't need your help or mine. His will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Can we just pray for God's will? Lord, right now we just pray. We pray. Lord, as, as men, women, as young men and young women, some of us who've known you for a long time, some of us who are just getting to know you, some of us who are babies in the faith, some of us who are older in the faith, Lord, all of us, we want what we want to be what you want. And today, we pray that you would help us to discover and discern your will for our lives. Help us understand your sovereign will, what you're already doing. Help us to know more and more each day your moral will, what you've already said in your word, in order to truly discern your personal will for our lives. And Lord, I pray that these questions that we can ask ourselves would truly be filters that help us Determine, discover, and discern what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. Which doors we should walk through and which doors we should not walk through. What things we should do and shouldn't do. Should consume and shouldn't consume. Where we should go and shouldn't. When we should and when we shouldn't. I pray, Lord, that you would bring greater clarity as we align ourselves with your will. Thank you because you're a good father. And you're not trying to keep us away from all these fun things in life. You're, rather, you're trying to protect us and guard our hearts from things that could bring consequences and pain. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be sensitive to your voice and attentive to your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Vertical Church Podcast. And thank you to all of you who give generously to this ministry. You make this ministry possible. You can always give online by visiting us at verticalchurch.com. And if you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, rate it, share it with your friends, and you can also share it on social media and tag us at vertical underscore social. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.